This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. I'm the host, David Intricasso. With me today is the Dutch healthcare policy researcher, Darren Joren Strauss, a senior researcher at the Center of Prevention Health Services Research at the National Institute of Public Health and the Environment, and also associate professor at Lyon University Medical Center. Joren is with me to discuss the use of value-based purchasing models to green or help reduce the healthcare industry's greenhouse gas emissions. Dr. Strauss, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Strauss's bio is, of course, posted on the podcast website. Very briefly on background, listeners are aware I wrote a paper that appeared in Health Affairs in early September that argued CMS designed a Medicare Part A value-based payment program and a similar program under Medicare's Part B quality payment program that financially incent providers to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. Doing so, I argued, would measurably lower Medicare and Medicaid beneficiaries' burden of disease, improve their care outcomes and safety, advance health equity, improve the industry's financial sustainability, and help heal the planet. In sum, policymakers have to figure out how to break the harm-treat-harm cycle, where providers cause patient harm via their greenhouse gas pollution that requires treatment that leads to more patient harm and round and round. Again, with me to discuss reforming payment methodologies to reduce the healthcare industry's carbon pollution is Dr. Joran Strauss. So with that, uh, Joran, let me begin by asking if you could start to help orient uh, us, if you could provide an overview of your research interests and work. Uh, yes, thank you for the introduction. Um, yes, I can. Um, my research line is mostly about the design, implementation, and evaluation of alternative payment models. Um, alternative payment models, I define them as everything else uh, um, as fee-for-service. So can we pay our provider differently to get more value out of the system uh, by the design uh, and implementation of alternative payment models? Um, that's in general what I do. Um, it started in 2006, seven somewhere, where we in the Netherlands started with the bundled payments for diabetes care, uh, where we really left the fee-for-service architecture to come up with an, yeah, a quite innovative payment model uh, by then. Um, and afterwards, I yeah, just start being interested in this field. Uh, and currently, one of our big assignments is the bundle payment for maternity care, uh, which was implemented in 2017 in the Netherlands. And the questions then are like, okay, how, how does it work? Uh, what are the experiences uh, of our providers? And what's the impact on, on spending a utilization uh, for sure? Uh, what's the impact on outcomes for mother and child? Um, yeah, during that, uh, I realized that, that coming from alternative payment models, that actually the, what a payer, whether it's public or private, what their incentives are, that they are quite comparable at what we aiming for with greening our healthcare system. So I think that, that alternative payment models and greening the healthcare system actually are at some kind of 
intersection where they meet each other, uh, uh, where we can uh, do things that are aligned with payers' uh, incentives to get a highly uh, high quality uh, accessible healthcare system for everyone, together with greening uh, uh, the healthcare system itself. Um, so that's a little bit my background, um, coming from alternative payment models and, and yeah, starting working on, okay, where can we help with uh, uh, designing provider payment models in such a way that they also reward providers when they're acting uh, in a more greener way than before. Okay, thank you very much. And I'll, I'll uh, work in some of your previous research uh, relative to your uh, bundled payment work. I, I, I did notice you published a piece in Health Affairs a few years ago, uh, generally arguing that in designing these models, we should uh, respect or pay t- some attention to aspects of behavioral economics. And I thought that was a very useful, uh, interesting paper. So let's move on. So relative to your current uh, research, uh, you're actually at the moment at Harvard uh, here for uh, a few weeks doing some collaborative research work, uh, trying to scope uh, or detail payment methodologies and quality metrics payers can use, I mean, generally, uh, detailed payment methodologies, identify details for payment methodologies and quality uh, metrics payers can use to exploit the industries, to exploit such that the industry can get a better handle uh, on its carbon footprint, as you, or as you say, green uh, uh, the industry. So can you tell me, from a methodological perspective, how are you actually going about trying to identify or detail uh, aspects of, uh, of alternative payment models would actually, that would ac- actually accomplish this? No, it, it all started um, that in the Netherlands we are, uh, I think, on a tipping point where we see that the new generation is asking uh, um, those kinds of questions, that they, they are questioning us, a uh, little bit more senior people, uh, uh, why uh, don't we have solar panels on the roof of our hospital? Why don't we have a vegetarian menu, some kind of the uh, uh, default option uh, for inpatient uh, uh, all those kinds of questions in uh, regarding greening and there, there are, uh, the why we don't do it uh, when we talked internally at the LOMC is, is that we are not incentivized to do so. And there came, there, there came I in with my knowledge on alternative payment models. Um, and I, I still don't get it why payers, when they have the same uh, uh, aims, uh, regarding uh, reducing spending, regarding uh, reducing overuse in general. I think that's the most sustainable care in the first place. I don't do uh, reduce overweight, but also like uh, medication waste, um, like reducing meat consumption, those kind of things. So they're all in line with what the payer actually wants. And the first question in, in the paper we want to address is, at the end, understanding why currently payers are not doing anything uh, regarding greening the healthcare system as it is also in line with their own incentives. So there is some kind of a strange paradox uh, uh, that it is in line with their own interests, uh, but they don't do it. And the first question is why they don't do it. And, and, uh, and second, we will come up with some recommendations like, okay, if you want to go in this direction, uh, what can be done? Um, and then I'm not really talking about greening healthcare facilities in that sense and the whole discussion about the initial upfront uh, investments, who's going to pay for these ideas. Um, but there are also 
a lot of many uh, opportunities, I think, that Payer just can implement without those invest initial investments. Um, they can adopt it right away, and, and then you can think about, okay, uh, um, why are not in current shared savings models uh, within the quality metric of the Medicare shared savings program or, or on the private market with alternative quality contracts? Why are there not any uh, sustainability measures in their quality metrics? Uh, why uh, they can reward like parts of uh, giving a bigger share of the realized savings when they are also meeting the sustainability requirements or uh, you are allowed that your global budget is increasing more uh, when you are uh, again uh, remit, uh, meet the sustainability measures. Um, so there are all kinds of uh, possibilities which currently are uh, not used. Um, so the first question is why they don't use it. Uh, and secondly, uh, okay, which one can be done without big investment? The whole story about uh, uh, upfront in, uh, investment. Um, that can, there's, a, I think, a lot of low-hanging fruit already. They can just, just, yeah, just pick uh, and, and use it uh, right away. So that's what we're, I'm currently working on together with Meredith Rosenthal from Harvard School of Public Health and Zuri Sow from uh, Harvard Medical School. Um, and we are uh, starting to write uh, the paper. Well, that's that's a great that's a great answer. I'm going to uh, now uh, push you on a few of these. But the overall answer is that, as you say, there's uh, lots of possibilities, and there are many inherent motivations pairs should have or exploit to simultaneously address this issue as well. I will say, since you started your answer by noting uh, youth in the Netherlands, but I, I if we could just quickly note. The government, uh, the Dutch government, was substantially motivated by, and I, I may be mispronouncing this. This was the Urgenda Foundation decision. This was the court case that required the Dutch government to be more aggressive in reducing its uh, carbon emissions. Correct? Um, yes, I think so. I'm, I'm actually not aware. I'm, I'm in, uh, regarding the details. But for sure, I think that the Dutch government uh, is aware of that we need to speed up uh, with the carbon emission that the, the agreement uh, regarding uh, uh, Paris with 1.5 Celsius, right. uh, uh, that we are uh, current, uh, currently uh, far uh, behind schedule. Um, but we are doing more. We came from really being uh, very far behind. But in the last couple of years, we see that at least from the government perspective, uh, um, we are increase our pace uh, towards uh, achieving a net zero uh, in 2050. Uh, but for sure, we are not there. Uh, we need to sp speed up uh, uh, way more than we do now. Um, um, yes, that, I, I think that's correct. Um, but I also want to mention that I think that in the society, we are also on a tipping point, and especially the, like the younger generation, the young adults, uh, are requiring and demanding us to do so. Uh, and I think that the general acceptance in the Netherlands compared to the U.S. at least uh, is that climate change uh, uh, is, is there, that is way more accepted and that they are willing to have a little bit of sacrifices uh, uh, to do so. So when, when with my meeting uh, with my team, we have a social event with my research team and they are quite of them are quite younger, um, most of them are uh, vegetarian, uh, just not from the health perspective, really also from a uh, 
sustainability perspective and, and compared to 10, 20 years ago, that was uh, really uh, different. So our young generation is, is also demanding in the Netherlands, I think, way more compared to, yeah, I think in, in general, uh, the U.S. Uh, citizens. Right. I would absolutely agree to that. Um, let me drill down further on, on your first answer. You said um, it's surprising that um, because there are related goals that pairs are attempting to achieve, which would uh, simultaneously serve uh, purposes of reducing uh, industry emissions. You said it's it's curious that why pairs are not doing more. Um, and you also noted that um, these would be, as we would say in the U.S., um, these are not heavy lifts. These are not expensive reforms. But what's your sense of what explains the fact that payers have not done more to specifically leverage their their goals they have otherwise to simultaneously address or green the healthcare industry? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. Thank you. It's, it's a difficult answer. Um, I think uh, first... Uh, there is still a blind spot among most payers, uh, but also on our healthcare leaders uh, that they, um, when you just say the number 8.5% of all emissions uh, in the US are, uh, are originated within the healthcare system, nobody still knows that there's still a blind spot. They are not conscious that they can do that. that uh, um, that's one. Um, Another one, I think, is that in the last couple of years, maybe also there, that there are overlapping crises uh, within the healthcare system, um, which are at least perceived more dominant and more uh, uh, immediate. Um, and they are focusing on just uh, the agenda of the day and not the long-term agenda on, on uh, climate change. Uh, that's two. And I think three, um, also, that there is discussion like whether sustainability policies is part of the healthcare uh, or is it an energy crisis at other departments? So in the Netherlands, and it, it, so we have a, a different ministry for uh, a climate um, and then it's a discussion, okay, who is having the mandate? Uh, is it the healthcare industry itself? Is it, is it then uh, the, the Ministry of Climate? So there are also discussion about uh, um, what are my responsibility within the healthcare system? Um, it's, I don't know, let's say here for Medicaid, it's on reimbursement policies and it's on quality. And just the whole climate change story fell into that mandate, yes or no. So I think that there are multiple reasons why uh, they do not act um, currently, uh, but that doesn't mean that they can't do starting tomorrow with acting on this. Right. Those are great answers. I, I absolutely would agree with all three of those. Um, the, the latter particularly, the, the, the sentiment up until very recently was this was not a healthcare uh, issue. This was more uh, one of, say, um, the transportation industry, the power generation industry, uh, other industries, uh, not inherently a concern or, or responsibility of, of healthcare providers. Um, let me go on. You did. I do want to touch upon one of the very important aspects of this, and you did note, and that is uh, quality metrics or related sustainability metrics in addition to um, alternative payment, designing alternative payment models or incenting uh, um, providers via fi financing and reimbursement uh, 
and to address this issue. Um, what's what's your sense of understanding about where, if anywhere, we're going, or present state of where we're going relative to related quality metrics? Yeah, I think that uh, at least in, in the U.S. on the federal level, like that there will be the discussion about is it their mandate, yes or no. Um, but I think that on the state level or on the private market uh, uh, within, yeah, I think a couple of years or maybe even earlier that there will be uh, sustainability measures within the quality metrics. And when you go to uh, the shared savings contract, whether they're one-sided or two-sided, that, the, that also, okay, you will get a higher split of the savings realized if you will meet your quality matrix also regarding sustainability. Uh, so in the coming years, there will be, I think, uh, a discussion, okay, what kind of measures do you use? Do you, uh, um, what are, uh, you know, where are they? Do they reduce uh, the administrative burden or increase the administrative burden? The problem will increase administrative burden, but I think not from the provider. It's another part of the hospital system that will come up with those measures. Um, then will we have a discussion, okay, do we uh, use the carrot or do we use the, uh, uh, the stick? Uh, and so do we have penalties or do we have bonuses? Uh, all those kinds of technical questions. Uh, um, and then I will think that there will be some yeah, leadership needed within the healthcare system to just start doing it and, and see where it goes from there. Um, next to incentivizing providers, I think it also will be important that we will incentivize uh, patients itself. So we can also think about uh, changing, uh, I don't know, payers come up with a green plan uh, for insurance plan uh, where they have different deductibles or maybe different co-payments or, or what kind of ideas, I don't know yet. Uh, when they go for the greener option, like, okay, I will have uh, uh, my GEPD inhaler, which is more eco-friendly. If I take this one, I have a lower co-payment compared to uh, uh, my current one. Or if I choose for uh, not a hospital admission itself, but having daycare, uh, that reduces also a lot of uh, reimburse, uh, uh, emission rates that will uh, uh, have affect my uh, deductible or co-pay or whatsoever. It will, I think that the payers will have a, a unique option in that sense that they can also reward providers heading in the right direction, but also at the same time, payers via all kinds of green insurance plans. Uh, so I, I will think the discussions will be there in the next coming years, okay, how to measure, which, which measure to use, uh, and how to yeah, incorporate that within the current quality metrics. All right, so let me let me let's get specific to the to the financial aspects of this. As I noted in the opening, uh, CMS currently runs four Medicare uh, Hospital Part A value based performance uh, programs. I suggested they create another relative to carbonizing Part B Medicare. Of course, is mm-hmm. physician payment, and that falls under this uh, macro legislation about which I'm sure you're aware, this is the quality payment program. So there are also financial incentives, carrots and sticks, both under the MIPS side of macro and then on, on the APM alternative payment model side. I'm sure you're well aware of Part C. You know, healthcare is nothing but complicated in the U.S. There's Part C, of course, Medicare mm-hmm. Advantage, and you can reflect uh, incentives in how they're financially benchmarked. And, of course, they have their uh, quality star ratings, which provide 
for uh, higher achieving uh, quality performance plans, uh, greater reimbursement. And then, of course, Part D, to just run through it, uh, drug policy. Similarly, you can incent uh, both uh, providers and patients as it relates to what uh, drugs you mentioned, inhalers, right, is an example of uh, polluting or not, uh, which ones to choice. What are any... In, in all of this, in all this complicated uh, scheme, where you are, where your thing is currently now, if you were to sort of generically describe fin- the a financial incentive, would it be, for example, uh, bundled payments, as you're well aware, they take a percentage off the top and you can win it back based on performance, you know, uh, ACOs, uh, and you've discussed this, there is prospective and retrospective, but basically it's about beating your benchmark, Um with the multiplier relative to quality performance, I mean, how would you generally describe uh, a formula that would, um, by design, uh, encourage, course, however, uh, providers to reduce their emissions? Well, in general, I think it's most easy, if it's easy uh, in the first place, uh, to look for ACOs. Um, and within that quality metrics, uh, we can just like within the Medicare shared saving programs, there are, I believe, currently 33 measures. Right. You can think of imp- uh, putting there uh, an additional three or replace an additional three or five. Uh, and the whole idea is if you beat your benchmark you, uh, and you realize savings compared to your benchmark, you will only get those savings paid if you will just meet the, the also the sustainability measures. And if you, the same holds when you go to a two-sided model, if, if you don't realize savings, but if there are losses and, and you don't beat your benchmark, that then the losses you don't have to pay if you also beat your sustainability measures. So I think it will be more easy uh, for ATOs than really going to uh, bundle payments. Um, having said that, I think that also it is difficult probably regarding the whole story about uh, is it, whether is it a mandate, yes or no, for the federal programs. I think that on the private market uh, uh, within the states, uh, private insurers uh, can start easily tomorrow without, uh, without having that discussion. So on the federal level uh, here in the U.S., I think it will be quite difficult uh, to do something in the short term. Uh, um, I think there, there will be way more progress uh, on the private market uh, and then using just uh, current ACO models. Uh, the payment models, the contracts are there and within the new negotiation for a new contract, uh, and we will start using uh, sustainability uh, measures within the quality metrics in general. I think that will be in general uh, the way forward for uh, the first steps in this direction. So since, uh, let me ask, and I, I think you mentioned it, since you're in Massachusetts at the moment, there are these you know, Massachusetts very well known about the blues plans there having uh, these these contracts. Uh, do you think mm-hmm. in, the, in the near term those contracts will get at sustainability metrics? I think so. Yes, uh, and uh, the reason why I think is is, is is again is that the alignment between the goal. Uh, uh, the provider has, uh, sorry, what the insurer has and what we aim with the sustainability. It, it might also be some kind of even a marketing strategy that you want to be a green insurer, that you are uh, also not just 
taking care of your current patient, but also in uh, your future patient. Uh, so there is an alignment with the, with the aims they have. Uh, and so there's no reason not to introduce. So reducing uh, overuse in general, uh, reducing uh, medication waste, uh, it, it is all possible just to put those in, in, in the quality metrics uh, and to start experimenting with that, evaluate that and uh, continue doing that. And I, th I think that it will be easier on the private market uh, then it will be uh, within the Medicare and Medicaid uh, contracts. Yeah, usually, uh, but I, yeah. I don't see I don't see any problems just to start tomorrow in, in that sense. Right. Um, so I think that in the foreseeable future, I think that will be possible. Yeah. So just to be specific, these are the as you you know these are the Massachusetts Blues alternative quality contracts AQCs. Um, mm -hmm. So that, mm -hmm. and I, I think generally as a formula, right? It's it's always you know. In the commercial market, it's easier um, because, of course, they're free from you know the sort of very bureaucratic rule making process at the federal level. Um, I, I did want to ask about there is another aspect to this, and I'm curious to to learn if if this has come to your attention or if you're uh, thinking about this or including this in your work. You, you may be aware that um, most providers of various types. Uh, there, there, there's certifications, uh, and this begs the the uh, Joint Commission. This is the Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations, and mm -hmm. JCO accredits you know A through Z these days relative to healthcare. And JCO has been talking about uh, sustainability aspects and including that some way, in shape or form, uh, in their accreditation process. Has this come to your attention, or where do you think uh, the accreditation aspects of this fit in? Uh, yeah, for sure, it has come to mind. Um, that's a little bit different than where I'm coming from with my expertise on alternative payment models. Um, I think in the long run, uh, the things you mentioned regarding accreditation will be there. Um, but the things, the measures you will put in your accreditation, you can also put in your quality metrics. So, uh, um, like the simple measures in the sense, okay. Um, the the, the plant-based uh, options within uh, hospitals, are they there, yes or no? Do you have a renewable energy, yes or no? Do you uh, have, uh, is your uh, ambulance fleet, is that uh, the new ones, are they electric, yes, no? It's, it's, it's not that there will be tons of new measures which are very difficult to uh, measure, I think we, we will start with quite simple uh, measures within the quality metrics and, regard, and tie those to the payment models. And I don't believe that we will go to accreditation all, uh, already. I think that's a little bit in the long run. Mm -hmm. uh, another option I think that we will uh, work on, and I think that we can just start right away, is going to the curriculum of providers. Uh, and in, if I ask around here, like, do, let's say, the primary care physician or other uh, specialist nurses uh, within their education, do they uh, have a lot on this issue? The answer is, at least what I heard now, is, is, still, is still no. And I think that putting those things into the curriculum of, of healthcare providers, uh, that we educate the new generation to also think that sustainability is, is something you do, not just for your patients now, but it's something you do 
for your uh, patients in the future, uh, that, that is important that we educate them uh, in the right way uh, already quite early and young, uh, uh, in the, uh, quite early in the, in the career when they are still quite young. I think there's also an opportunity. Uh, it's really related education. Right. I, I appreciate that point, particularly uh, you're noting it. This is um, much needed, of course, appropriate requisite curriculum development uh, relative to sustainability yeah. would be very helpful. I, I do have a, um, this is always, I'd like to work in a comparative question. You're well aware that the National Health Service, uh, by law, has been at this since 2008, um, and they've had a fair amount of success. So this is an outlier question, possibly, but relative to your understanding of the related National Health Service effort, do you think there are lessons that the U.S. can learn from uh, how the NHS has gone has gone about uh, trying to reduce their carbon emissions? Yes, I think there are, um, but we also need to be aware that there are uh, a huge difference between right, right. how the NHS is, is built and, and the U.S. system. Um, within the NHS, like uh, uh, the leadership there, uh, really committed to achieve net zero in uh, as the first country in the world. I think there are a lot of uh, things they try, what, where, where they experiment with. Uh, we can learn from also in the Netherlands, but also here in the U.S. Uh, for sure. And I think some uh, are, are great ideas uh, we should adopt and just start doing it. Uh, for instance, just like uh, uh, labeling medication regarding their carbon footprint. Uh, th- they are starting doing that uh, in, in England and in the U.K. Uh, I think we should do that in the U.S. also. Uh, and they are really totally... Uh, busy of creating a, a sense of urgency. I think that we can learn. Uh, um, in the Netherlands, we are, on, on, what I said, already on a tipping point. I think there's a, a huge movement, bottom-up, from providers, the young generation starting to ask questions and uh, starting to act differently. Uh, I think in the U.S., there uh, we need to, yeah, we can learn uh, quite a lot, and, and, and also regarding the general acceptance of. Um, climate change affecting health. I think there is a lot to learn and how the NHS is doing it. Um, but having said that, uh, the NHS is in that sense is uh, uh, for sure different than the US. Um, in some aspects, I think regarding uh, uh, addressing climate change, it's a little bit easier in the NHS compared to mm-hmm. the complex models you have uh, in the US and also the complex models we have in, in, in the Netherlands. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, a lot of cross-nation comparison, uh, a lot of cross-nation learning in the coming years. Uh, I think still with pride, uh, oh, uh, that's what we say, at least in the Netherlands, uh, some of the good ideas, what, uh, what is, are already implemented in the NHS. Um, and I think they are also, uh, maybe we need to tweak or to tailor to the U.S. Uh, situation. But that, uh, like labeling the carbon footprint of, of medication A, B, or C, that it is really and and an, uh, uh, working on the conscience of providers that they understand that that they can choose that there are eco-friendly medications and that there are also uh, medications with a high carbon footprint that they they are currently not aware. And so helping them uh, having the options to choose, I think that uh, yes. Yeah, one of the examples we can yeah, just use from the NHS and to start doing here. Um, right, right. So yeah, there's a lot to learn probably. Yeah. Right. What what you're what you're suggesting or implying is there there still has to be, as we would say, 
uh, a substantial amount of work in normalizing the idea that uh, that there is a direct connection between uh, climate and health, and that the healthcare industry needs to address because of that its its own contribution to um, uh, the climate crisis. So, with that, uh, Jordan, we're at our we're largely at our our time. I, I appreciate this general overview of your work. I'll, I'll end by asking you when when might we see uh, some of your research products? Uh, uh, you never know. Uh, we will submit it to a scientific journal. Um, that can take a while before acceptance, um, but we will finish uh, a submittable version uh, for the end of the year. So hopefully in, 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 before summer, we will have uh, uh, one of our papers ready. Great. That'd be, we'd, we'd much look forward to seeing it. So uh, good luck. And again, thank you for your time today and providing this overview. I wish you every success. All right. Thank you for the opportunity. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.